Hello, and welcome back to The Great Outdoors. And they made another one? Where each week we discuss an off-forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and my sister's dead, and you're talking about magic water? And with me, I've got Liam. We treat other intelligent life horribly. And Mitch. This is some pet cemetery shit. Now, there was a pause there. I'm going to tell you why. Because Corey's bad at editing. Because I'm bad at editing. We are here in beautiful, spectacular fall colors of Calabogie in the beautiful breeze and the autumnal winds. People know what Calabogie They're going to find out. They're going to find out. And uh, you can't hear Liam ask that question because Mitch forgot his microphone despite the fact that he got asked numerous times over the course of the day. <laughs> If he should have his fucking microphone or not, but when we drove an hour away to record special fancy podcasts, and he didn't bring it. Bro, for what it's worth, we're using my extra long cable. <laughs> yeah, but you guys are sitting on the same couch. Yeah. And I, I also forgot the uh, the audio recorder, too, for other things that we were going to do. We had plans. It was going to be beautiful. We had big, grand plans, and all we have now is this fantastic view of the lake. River. river. Pardon me. Yeah. The river. And uh, these beautiful colors, which you will see on our Instagram. And you are going to hear another episode with similar ambiance to this, maybe a little later in the month. But... um. Right now, we're here to just do some good old-fashioned movie stuff in a new place, and uh, I think that's very exciting. And so what I want to start with is uh, an odd question, which I think is fun. The odd question is, Mitch, do you have your mic? (laughs) (laughs) Well? Don't do this to me. (laughs) Okay, that's enough public chastising. My mic is your mic, Mitch. You have one. Yeah, that's to say nothing of the private chastising. The people's mic. The people's mic? It is the people's mic. Yeah. A lot of people's mouths have been on this foam thing. Yeah, I don't doubt that. So if the levels are a little goofed up, that's all that is. And you may hear birds and breezes and, and winds. We don't really know how this sounds. So we're just going to kind of vibes it. Tis but a symptom of the season. Yeah. And uh, so I'm going to start with a question I don't think we've really asked on the show. Liam, do you like the outdoors? Damn, that is a good question. It's where we are right now. Um, I do like the outdoors. I, but I like the outdoors in in particular ways. Like I think if someone were to say they like the outdoors, often that carries uh, a lot of activities with it that I probably don't like all that much. For example, I grew up in a fairly small town, and I decided to look that town up on Reddit recently. I just wanted like to see slash your town. Yeah, yeah, I never... got one. They do. Nice. Yeah. And someone asked, uh, you know, what do people do in this town? Um, And someone responded, and it had a good amount of upvotes, and they were saying uh, hunting, fishing, canoeing. um, Anyway, there's a few few other things on this list. Outdoorsy stuff. And I, I lived my whole life in that town, and I didn't do any of those things growing up. Um... My time, I spent a lot of time indoors, to be fair. And the time I spent outdoors was not specific activity stuff. It was just like running around the neighborhood with my friends. And now that's sort of what I do as an adult, too. Like, I, I love going for runs outdoors as opposed to on a treadmill. Um, I love going for walks. 
I love sitting here right now looking at this beautiful lake. Um, I like playing guitar on patios. Uh, and I like the wilderness. But um, me and my partner have this conversation a lot because she is a total country head. Um, she doesn't like any really any of those activities I listed either. But if she had her way, she would live an hour away from the city in the woods um, with no people nearby. Whereas if I had my way, I would rather live in a city and spend time outdoors, but outdoors like in a city. Right. Like uh, concrete jungle stuff. I like the concrete jungle. And I, I yeah. guess I, so I like, I like a mix, you know. Mitch, do you like the outdoors? I love the outdoors. Yeah? You know, I'm something of, of, an, a, outdoorsman. of an outdoorsman, you know. Uh, no, I loved it. Gr- growing up, we used to go camping all the time, and I uh, I took outdoor ed in university. Uh, and not university, in, in high school, um, which was great. You know, we, we, we camped in, like, Quincy's, which is kind of like building an igloo. You camp in it, which is pretty sick. Um Actually, it's nothing like building an igloo. You, you, you <laughs> but it is in the sense that you, you build like a big snow pile and then you wait, let it set in the cold, and then you dig it out and then you sleep inside of it, which is pretty fun. Um, and it's actually like pretty warm in there, which is interesting. And uh, it's I don't that know, body heat, bro. You know, I, I grew up like kayaking and and like a little bit of canoeing and um, sailing, but I'm not very good at it. And uh, it's like some other other outdoorsy shit like that, mountain biking. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like Podcasting. the outdoors. I like the outdoors. Nice. Yeah, although l- lately I've I'm a, I've been an, an urbanite, but I think eventually I'll probably return to my roots, of the outdoors. You'll return to the d- to the dirt and the earth. Won't we all? Won't we all? I uh, I'm. Much more in line, I think, with Liam's sort of thing, where I grew up in a place where, like, the nature was sort of the appeal of the area, and, like, if you wanted to be outdoorsy, hunting, fishing, fucking around guy, you could do that. Uh, I did not do a lot of that. I certainly spent my fair share of time inside. I wasn't a huge, like, I wasn't a huge athlete, and I wasn't a huge outdoorsman, so... While, like, younger, we did camping and stuff like that. Like, the appeal of that for me kind of fell off. I would say, though, like, at this point in my life, I'm kind of more interested in it now. Like, if somebody came up to me, like, do you want to go camping? I'd be like, yeah, I do. But maybe it's just because I haven't done it in a long time. But I think the idea of, like, doing it and figuring out how I would do it, like, as an adult is kind of exciting. And the prospect of just being away from, like, work and just constantly being online and like all of that responsibility and also the time wasted just like on Twitter or fucking whatever. Like that's all very appealing. Um, I probably don't get out as much as I should, but as again, like especially where we are like now doing this, like it's so hard to argue with just like how this is great. This is very obviously great. And I do feel like it's something that I miss a lot in like my current living situation doesn't have a ton of that like we're just sort of in a neighborhood by a major road really small back kind of area but um i'm growing to appreciate it more but i'm not i'm still not much of a an outdoorsman capital o style but it's nice that's why we're here and we're gonna take better advantage of that i would say on an upcoming episode, but this is more just like for the vibes for us, for something new. Maybe it sounds neat. You can hear the, uh, we didn't full on. They slayed another one, the intro, but it's Halloween spooky season. 
it's autumn, it's fall, and we're trying to make the most of the ambiance. We want to bring you the feeling of those dead leaves sort of rustling along the road, and you get a bit of a chill, and you're under a street light, and it's dark, and you're like, is that a wolfman? And maybe it is, but it might not be. No streetlights out in Calabogie. Well, headlights, lanterns. The light of the moon. The light of Shimmering the moon. Shimmering through the fog. Dude, the fucking moon. Um, all of those things are there. Which I think is an apt contrast to the movie that we're about to talk about. Sort of decidedly not... I wouldn't describe it as a particularly outdoorsy film. Of all the available segments, one of them is particularly outdoorsy. I'd say the rest are fairly indoor-oriented. Um... And oriented. Some of them are borderline internet based. And we're going to get analog though, which I think is a good pair to our outdoor recording. We're talking about VHS again if you're most of us. But not for me. But you guys have talked about the VHS series before on the show. Yes. Um, gosh, what was that one called? 94? Yeah. Yeah. VHS 94. Then we did it. We ran through one and two. And I think you talked three, but I haven't seen three. That's right, yeah. But we just, we, Mitch and I did a bit of a franchise overview on that episode. Corey couldn't make it. So if anyone listening is interested in me and Mitch's in depth thoughts on VHS 94 or uh, the movies prior, because we, we kind of talked about those ones from memory, but Mitch and I are, are particularly fans of those first two. Um, so that episode's worth checking out, and uh, it's cool that these movies seem like they've become an annual tradition at Shudder, because in the time since Mitch and I talked about 94, another one came out, actually, last year, VHS 99. Did you see that one, Mitch? No, I haven't seen it, but it makes perfect sense that they pop up. I mean, they're probably really inexpensive to produce. I mean, um, some of the sequences in this particular movie that look really cheaply produced but that's part of the of the charm and the appeal of the whole franchise so i'm not surprised that it becomes a yearly thing it probably doesn't cost much to do it yeah it's really cool what's your experience with these movies there Corey? minimal i'm aware of them i know what the shtick is uh this is the only one i have seen so i'm basing this exclusively on i have seen one of these and I, but I know that it's been annualized, and I know that they're doing more of them, and I know that it's kind of a. Like my understanding is, and I did hear your episode, um, just I don't remember it perfectly, but uh, my understanding is that it's essentially like up and coming horror directors kind of get a shot to all come together and like put something in. It's not usually like a ton of a super established names, is that right? Every once in a I while. I guess this is a bit an exception. Like there's one in this one where it's like in the older ones, like especially in like one and two, you've had people who've go, gone on to make great things, but there were a few established directors. I I can't remember who Orson maybe. Wells did the first one, I think. Um yeah, it's they'll typically have someone whose name people recognize um like I'd say Scott Derrickson in this one is yeah. is bigger than anyone else has been. Okay, but they'll still have people who like names who I have cachet. Like, yeah, like the guy who did the Raid movies did a did one in, oh. in VHS two. Weird. Yeah, he's not really. Well, I mean, Ty some, West did one in VHS one. There's some horrific violence, but him doing straight up horror is kind of interesting. Yeah, Adam Wingard. Yeah, the, just the, put your hand up or something. We can't have you grasping like a baby. I'm going like, at the microphone. Uh, unfortunately, this is a visual medium, but I'm 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 doing a very funny gesture with my hand. Trust him. 
it, yeah, it's super funny. Um, <laughs> just believe me. I'm yeah, I'm a comic genius. Um, but th- it sounds like there's some cool stuff in there. Yeah, the VHS two sequence uh, by the guy who made the raid is is it action oriented or is uh, it like- a little bit? There's a little bit of action at the end, but it's super fucked up. Liam and I talk at length about that because we did do, do an entire franchise uh, retrospective or as many that we had seen at that time, and. Um, I know, Liam, you were pretty, like, you and I were pretty hot on, like, the franchise then, and this might be, like, a loaded question, but has your opinion of the franchise changed at all over time? Do you feel, like, less about some of the other films that have come on, come out, like, as time has gone by? And they annualized it, right? So it's, like, losing some of that, like, not cash, I was going to say cash, but, like, appeal of just, like, the novelty of the, the format and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, both good points and a good question. Um, in short, yes, it has lost its appeal for me. Uh, I also watched the one that came out last year, even though we didn't do an episode on it. Um, I watched it right when it came out, and even if we weren't doing an episode on this one, I would have watched it when it came out. Um, it's just a, it's truly a format that I love. It's, it's found footage uh, combined with uh, fairly low budgets, combined with um at this point like a a send up to uh eras of the past old horror eras of the past the 90s and the 80s which is stuff i love um anthology movies i love that so it's a combination of stuff i love so i'm always going to come back to these movies and keep watching new ones as they come out but i've got to say these last few as they've come out um even though i i uh the one that Mitch and I talked about, 94, I liked that one. Um, but in this, in this, I guess you could call it a Shudder era, it has lost a decent amount of its appeal for me because it feels like um, these installments are a lot more tongue-in-cheek than... Uh, self-awareness? Uh, self-awareness, yeah. Then s- the earlier segments were, um, particularly the, the earlier segments that I like, because there are some that are more tongue-in-cheek than others. Um, but it, it, they seem to be a bit more comedy-based now. Um, and that's it just doesn't quite sit with me right. I love the, the seedy um, feeling that the first two movies offer of, like, I really feel like I have stumbled upon something that i am this is not supposed leak. to see live leak core yeah i don't think these have that anymore um so the vhs movies at this point sort of feel to me like a band that i loved as a kid and i still like their earlier work um and i still check out everything new they do because uh, I was so close with them at a previous point, and I just don't like their new stuff nearly as much, but I have such an attachment to them that I will always check you out hear what them they out. put out. Yeah. What is a band? Is, do you have a band off the top of your head? Yeah, that band is Seether. Is Seether, it actually Seether? Seether was my band. Seether's like in right now again. I don't know that they are, man. No, they, it, it, memes... Would have you believe that Seether and Creed are the two greatest bands that have ever lived? You've seen <laughs> Seether mentioned in these memes? Yes. That's Genuinely, so cool. Yes. <laughs> I understand it. Uh, I just didn't. That I haven't Creed seen song any is pretty memes. good. The Creed song? The Creed song's pretty What's good. What's what one do they use with arms wide open? Higher? Higher. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Seether was my band as a kid. That's so cool. I could talk for a long time about them. In the weeds with Seether. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, I'm. I'm the same. I think it's faded in my estimation too, um, for different reasons. Uh, I don't want to show my like my hand too much of what I think about this one, um, but even like not bearing my thoughts on it, I feel like as I've grown older. I've grown out of the franchise a bit. And I know that we were super hot on one and two. I hadn't really seen three or I, I, I think I had seen maybe some segments from three, but not all of it. And, uh, the other one. And I, I just remember that, uh, as the franchise had kind of gone on as we were going through each chapter, um, our opinion was kind of, uh, lessening as, as it went on. And it's hard for a franchise to kind of keep up steam. So yeah, I'm I'm somewhere similar, and I would agree that it is kind of like um a band or a film director that you like when you're young, but not so much when you're old. Do you have a director that you would give as an example? Uh, like Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino is also very like style forward, and I feel like the structure and the novelty of that is similarly like. At least in this movie, it feels like the gimmick of it is part of the outright appeal and yeah. not just an element of what it's presenting to you. It's like part of it is this is anthology. I'm very curious you compare about it, something like this to, I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Uh, but like paranormal activity three and it's very, very different with its approach to found footage. Um, yeah. I would argue that this is a fairly weak example of utilizing found footage in an interesting way, just because it is, the justifications for why cameras are in some of these non-existent it's yeah and and also like the cameras being used don't feel like particularly yeah whereas i feel like paranormal activity 3 as goofy as it is does a better job establishing like we're doing this thing this is why this is where for the most part until maybe the last yeah but um yeah but yeah Yeah. one thing i want to i want to see more of these because the thing that they've introduced is this like year model and like that is meant to be a big part of this one and how it's presented and the vibe that it carries and like i wonder if they'll keep doing that and how that influences like what their approach to the found footage is i mean they have three of them now that are based on yeah. this year model so and you, you, could, you would think you could make gonna the, run out of years for vhs was alive you, you can make the argument though that like first of all it is weird that they did 94 and 99 that close together that's a weird that's what confuses me so much trying to just remember which Um, is which but also just that like it doesn't strike me that this example makes great use of it being 1985 so I'm curious about the other ones being like how are they leaning into the years you know what I mean and again, I don't want to say too much either, but it's like, this feels like you could put any year on it, change like a little bit, and then like, you could say it's any time. So like, I'm curious about how they're factoring that in. It seems mostly like a marketing thing to me. I totally agree. I th- I think so, um, too. And like 99 and 94, I think like, cause you're going for like 99, you're at least getting like Y2K stuff. 94, I guess you're getting grungy stuff. There was some grunge. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I guess like they're just trying to invoke eras, but like, I feel like they're half, are they like half assing it kind of? I think, I think so. And that often happens when you have these, uh, theme based 
maybe you want to call them gimmick-based anthology movies, of which I've seen I've seen quite a few, like uh, um, Tales of Halloween, uh, Holidays, ABCs of Death. These are movies where like each director they're sort of given like a a task. Um, a prompt and then you run with it however you want and some people adhere to that prompt strictly and some people just use it as a uh, a little pebble of a stepping stone like, right I had an idea I'm gonna in instead of saying I'm gonna use the prompt to start I had an idea and I will in- include the prompt oh yeah one of the worst examples I've ever seen in my life it makes me so upset this anthology movie called Holidays Kevin Smith has a segment. Okay. And I'm a Kevin Smith fan. Yeah. More so of the guy than of his movies, but he's actually, he's he's kind of a seether for me. I'll see anything he puts out, but uh, I've <laughs> You yearn I've worn off the days yeah. of the past. Um, he did a segment in that movie, Holidays. He got the holiday, Halloween. Arguably the best holiday to get. 100%. In an anthology horror movie. You could have got Easter. Oh my god. You could have got Labor Day, His bro. segment is... Even setting aside that I think it is a really poorly written uh, and conceived segment, it is so far removed from being Halloween. Talk about being an outdoors guy or an indoors guy. The whole thing is set indoors. There's barely any mention of the month at all. Halloween doesn't drive it. It's absolutely embarrassing. Um, And... Some of that stuff kind of upsets me in these VHS movies that they do feel like they could uh, belong to any movie, but I can excuse it a bit because, like, what does that what does that even mean that I want in every segment for them to like be mentioning that it's the year nineteen ninety four? Right? No, like I I just I kind of just want New Year's Day. <laughs> I don't actually care that much. I kind of just want cool individual segments and now that i'm thinking about it they do play into it in kind of cool ways in some of these movies like in 99 there's a segment that is uh inspired by um like those jungle run type shows what's that other jungle run show that was from like the late 90s early 2000s legends of the hidden Hidden temple Temple. they do one that's basically like that they also do a sort of that sounds cool like a teen sex comedy sort of one so the problem with this is i can talk smack about the format but then i hear they made one like jungle run and i'm like fuck i need to see that yeah (laughs) yeah they know how to make it work i'm talking myself into it actually i do like the i do like the year-based thing but i think one of the dangers um, is that you can also have the segments be a bit too samey because they're, yeah. they all have to take place in this period. They all have to have this identical sort of film grain. We need VHS time travelers. Yeah, they've done it in some of these movies. They've done it. Oh, yeah? Oh, well, mm. I guess earlier on probably <laughs> they just sort of said whatever. Yeah. Well, I can tee up this one. Uh, we can get rolling because there's there's... Well, there's the amount to get to of a normal movie, but because it's structured the way that it is, it's easier to get a little hyper-focused. So typically for this, I would just do the credits by segment, but the credits aren't listed completely by segment on IMDb or Wikipedia or on any article I read or anywhere. So I'm going to read all the credits for all of the segments now, and then we're just going to handle it. Some of them are split, so I can tell you that total copy, which is sort of like the frame narrative, 
is directed by David Bruckner, who you will know from other installments of VHS. The Hellraiser reboot from 2022. The Ritual and The Night House. Less familiar with those. The Ritual is great, and I've heard The Night House is great. There you go. David Bruckner might be the guy. We got two of them directed by Mike P. Nelson. Those are No Wake and Ambrosia, which are the two segments that are kind of linked to each other. Is that a new thing for them to do? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I figured it was. They always do this sort of wraparound segment that David Bruckner did, but having a segment end and then sort of pick up later and and have uh, the dual name, that's new. Yeah. Uh, Mike P. Nelson did a reboot of Wrong Turn in 2021. And also something called The Domestics, which I wasn't familiar with. Um, God of Death is directed by Gigi Saul Guerrero. Um, she's also an actor. I just have a, a list of miscellaneous credits here because I wanted to include Angry Birds Summer Madness. Um, but also Satanic Hispanics. Bingo Hell. What a title. A Lucha- That's an unfortunate title. <laughs> a Lucha Gore Easter and El Gigante. Lucha Gore. Yeah, with a G. El Gigante. There's a theme going on. Here. Yeah. A theme. A theme. Then we have uh, Techno God, uh, which is directed by Natasha Kermani. Um, the Turing Love Affair and Imitation Girl are some credits. And then as established, Scott Derrickson, who we, we know, of course, from Hellraiser Inferno. Did you say the Turing Love Affair and the Imitation Girl? Imitation Girl. Is that the same title? Like No, two separate titles. Okay, because it was like a play on Alan Imit- Turing, like the... I, I, imitation is, I, think, I think it is. I don't know. I think the Turing one probably is. But Scott Derrickson directed Dream Kill, who we know on the show from, I guess, more than one movie now. But Hellraiser Inferno mostly. Hasn't he done two of them? Well, he directed Sinister, and we talked about Sinister 2, which he didn't direct, but he and wrote. That's not that's not Bagul. That is Bagul. That is Bagul. Yeah. Which Who's the Insidious guy? Uh, I don't remember his name. Okay. It's not a I briefly name. thought Sinister... Demon... I mean, um, I re- I for some reason I've like I've second guessed my Bagul. I can't believe he's Bagul. I owe him a great <laughs> debt. <laughs> I my, can't believe you're realizing this now. I, head, again, you must be realizing it again. It, yeah, in my head, he's just he's mostly the Hellraiser Inferno guy because <laughs> that movie looms large in my brain. <laughs> yeah, our first episode. Um, so the writers, I know some of the credits, but. Some of them aren't assigned to the right names, so bear with me here while I try to get these correct. So, C. Robert Cargill and Scott Derrickson, who write stuff together all the time, wrote Dream Kill. Uh, Gigi Saul Guerrero wrote her segment. Uh, and then Mike P. Nelson wrote his segment as well. But then we've got a couple other names in here. I don't know who they helped write or what. Because we've got Evan Dixon and Zoe Cooper. I, I I just couldn't figure out before recording which ones they helped write. But they helped write. Um, the cinematography credits are not assigned to specific ones either, which is frustrating. because uh, Also because there's five of them and there's only four cinematographers, which I'm curious about. Who is pulling double duty? Um, we've got Luke Bramley. Duty. Alexander Chinichi. Nick Junkersfeld and Brett Jukwitz. The editors, however, we do have assigned 
credits for, but one of them is missing, so I don't know who edited Techno God. It's not listed here. The demon edited. The demon edited, edited it. Andy Holton edited Dream Kill. Mike P. Nelson ed- edited both of his. So Mike was pulling like quadruple duty at this point. Um, and uh, actually, Gigi Salguero also edited hers. So these were like one man bands for a lot of these MVPs. Um, and uh, the music, only one of them has a segment credit for some reason. So I know that Blake Matthew did God of Death. I can assume that Atticus Derrickson probably did the Scott Derrickson one. But uh, then there's also just Steven Lukacs. And I don't know about the rest of it. Do we know who did the credit song? No. That that w- I don't even know if I heard the credit oh, song all it, the way. It was prominent. It sounded <laughs> like... It uh, yeah, it's oh, it was incredible. It, it's it, about the, like the events of the film. Oh, really? Yeah, it hit the you credits must have, and you I must went, not like the movie if you no, were out that fast. Hit, no, 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 it hit the credits and I went to bed. It was late. Dang. Oh, yeah. It, was dude. this a fall it, break scenario? It's it's similar. It, it I compared <laughs> it to um uh I can't believe the, I missed it. At the this. end of Friday six. Should uh, I try to pull the song up right now? You might as well hear it. At the end of Friday 6, uh, Alice Cooper does a song called The Man Behind the Mask, yeah, and it song. sounded like a Weird Al parody of Man like, Behind the Mask. My shutter has run out, so mm. I cannot do that. Well, we were all using Liam's shutter, and an interesting thing no, happened. I was using mine. I was using mine. Were you? Yeah. Interesting. So then the laws of deduction make me think that Liam watched this movie... In parts. What? What the fuck are you talking about? Did you watch the movie in parts? No, I didn't. Why do you think that? Why do you think? How that? can this be? When when I when <laughs> I used when about? I used Liam Shutter, I opened the movie and it was paused on the boobs and it was paused halfway, not on the breast, just on some on some insignificant part, seemingly. But it appears. My senses of deduction have failed me. <laughs> Inconceivable. More like Sherlock Bowles. The deduction. That's a fair conclusion to draw. <laughs> it's, it's probably more that Shudder's interface has failed us. And just Bro can't find a microphone or a movie, dude. Bro, sh- yeah. Oh, I'll never live this one down. My you will never. Honestly, <laughs> sharing a mic kind of sucks. My I wish kingdom, I had my own mic my here right now. For a microphone. <laughs> my kingdom for a microphone. Slap my bare butt balls and back, why don't you? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I do have the casts though. Total copy star, and I didn't do credits for everybody because it's a lot of people, and we have places to be, you know. Uh, total copy stars: Jordan Belfi, Miller Ty, KT Thangvalu, Kelly Garner, Chuck McCollum, Mark Sipka. Colton Little and Shelby Steele. For some reason, the No Wake and Ambrosia casts were listed together. I don't know why they are sep- like they're separate things. One person appears at the end of one of them. I don't like the way that this was listed, but it's what we're working with. These are suboptimal credits by me. Alex Gallic, uh, Anna Sundberg, Chelsea Grant. Toussaint Morrison, Tyler Noble, Anna Hashizume, Tom Reed, Evie Blair, Renee Warbowski, Mike Lester, Justin Jones, 
Lauren Anderson, Bonnie Sorensen, Marie Nelson, Christopher Gasser, Ed Noreen, and Kim Hermes. Those are some fun names. Uh, God of Death stars Gabriella Roel, Ari Gallegos, Gigi Sal Guerrero. So she is pulling, like, sextuple duty at this point. She pulled into the lead ahead of Mike. She is, uh, Gabriella is the news anchor who's on location, right? Who's, like, not in the studio. She's the other one, I believe. So that is also the director, the writer, and the editor. <laughs> um, uh, Marcio Moreno, Felipe Delara, Florencia Rios... Gerardo Onyate and Jose Maria Higuerda. Danny, I know you're listening. Please correct my Spanish because <laughs> I I probably did okay, but not great. So that's a th- that's a shout out to you. Um, Techno God stars Siobhan Michelle, Andrew Guy, and Rick Darg. <laughs> um, and then we've got Dream Kill with James Ranson. Freddie Rodriguez, Dashiell Derrickson, Britt Barron, Dana DeRuck, Jennifer P.O. Nysmith, Danny Dete, and Maiko Oliver. Maiko Olivier, actually. This is a anthology movie formatted as being taped over another show. So there is a documentary, like a 60-minute style documentary playing about some sort of alien life form called Total Copy, which is our frame narrative. And taped over that are these other segments that it cuts to and sort of fades in and out of. And we have No Wake, and then we have a little bit of Total Copy, and then we have God of Death, a little bit of Total Copy, Techno God. A little bit of total copy, dream kill, and then the end of total copy. I believe that is correct. So we're gonna dream kills the cop one. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna talk about. I would suggest. I think the best thing to do is overall thoughts, the four segments of the movie, and then the frame narrative at the end, is what I would suggest doing. I think that works. Okay. Liam, you're holding the mic, so <laughs> you're up. What did you think of VHS 85, your 85th VHS film? You've seen them all, right? You kept up? Yeah, it's it's better than 72. 72 seems like a tough one. There, what was happening? It was like the, the gas crisis? Well, I read a theory that the next one they're going to do is, I think someone said 74, because that's the year that... Is that Texas Chainsaw year? I think it is, but... Was VHS even invented in the seventies? Who cares? Well, that's the thing. That was the reason for the theory. It was the it was the invention of VHS, yeah, but it wasn't... like in the home or something. I don't think it was even like widespread then, because you like you had the Betamax, like VHS was Laserdisc predates it, and I think it's it's nineteen seventy seven. Imagine they put out VHS LD. But what do, like, what do I know? Some like analog head's gonna come in here and correct me and like wipe the floor. So whatever, I don't even care. <laughs> are you in a are you in a mood or what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind of mad and I'm kind of cold. I don't have my microphone. Go get a coat. Yeah, okay, I'll get a coat. You're the only one not in a sweater right now. These are fixable problems. <laughs> Liam, please. Um, I feel like I should wait for Mitch. Okay. I don't want to cut in this episode because we've got ambient noise and you might hear it, so I'm just going to... Mm. How you doing? To be honest, I'm kind of cold too, and I have a coat on. Do you so want to go? Do you have another coat? 
I brought extra stuff. I have like a flannel in there. I have a sweater in there. I have another jacket in there. It's more the hand issue, you know. Your hands, the are hand, and my exposed knee. Dude, my legs. Dude, my I've got like leg patches that are freezing up. Yeah, beauty is pain. the f- The fire will hit later. Mitch is just aimlessly walking through his house. He's just simming it up in there, dude. Big time. He was looking at his phone. He like walked back and forth for a second, <laughs> and then went over to the closet. It's like somebody misclicked on his routing. <laughs> Poor guy. Do we have some chili later? This is all staying in, by the way. Yes, yeah. Mitch's Mitch's mom was so sweet to make us chili. So it's, and it's vegan going to be a chili. good night. Vegan chili. She brought out all the stops. It looks like a lot of it as well. It looked like there was an equal amount of regular and vegan chili. Look at that. We're equals. We deserve <laughs> just as much. Take that, conservatives. The vegans, are, the vegans have rights. You can't just come out here discriminating against vegans the fuck is wrong with you you look like the fucking huntsman (laughs) mitch has a jacket mitch we were talking about how it looked like you were just simming it up in there walking around like a sim who lost your way (laughs) now my phone was charging in my in my parents room so i I went i went in there charged my phone came back got this this very plaid um it's a normal amount of plaid i think yeah I look like a lumberjack, uh, an angry lumberjack. Okay, I think Liam's going to give his thoughts now. We waited. Okay, my baby. My My general thoughts is that I was excited to start this movie, and somewhere around the halfway point, I was really tired of this movie. I was not enjoying myself at all. Um, And I'm... I'm trying to figure out why. I think it extends just beyond not liking uh, some of these earlier segments, um, which I didn't like. One got recontextualized, and I ended up liking it more in hindsight. Um, but uh, the first three segments, I I really felt like they were following this format of just characters hanging around for like 10 minutes and then something crazy happens in the last couple of minutes. And it was kind of getting on my nerves because I've seen it in other VHS movies. I also felt like the filmmaking uh, style happening here in terms of just the, the, the general aesthetic of uh, having it look grainy and has that like boxed aspect ratio as to adhere to the 85 um, thing. And then having this sort of comedic tone that I was picking up on with the acting, um, I found myself not excited when each new segment was starting, which was really bumming me out. Because my favorite part of anthology movies is if you don't like a segment, another one's going to start and you don't know what you're in for. And you can always get excited like every five, ten minutes as a new segment starts. And I wasn't feeling that at all with this movie. Um halfway through now that i've sat with it for a little over a week because i watched it right after it dropped i am liking it a lot more in hindsight like i'm kind of thinking about what a few of these segments were saying some of them um are still pretty low in my estimation and i don't know if that's as likely to change but some of the ones that were that i came away lukewarm on i think that that might actually be because they are sort of telling 
a story that is more complex than I was expecting from this movie, whereas where I, I expect it to be more of just a setup and a punchline that you kind of have to do with a short film, um, which ironically is what my least favorite segments in this movie do, whereas a couple of the other segments that we'll talk about are a bit more complex narratively, and while I didn't really enjoy watching them all that much, like there's just some... Uh, formality stuff here and there that really took me out of it like some of the acting and what I thought was really cheesy dialogue and some of the filmmaking conventions um, that stretch credulity of the found footage concept some of that stuff was really grating on me but those segments have stuck in my head um, so I'm, I'm interested to hear what you guys think about this because I could see myself warming up to this movie over time, uh, but I do really want to stress that when this movie was over, I felt so disappointed and, okay. and cold. Um, and I'm excited to talk about the segments individually and, and be specific about what I'm thinking. Before we throw to Mitch, I do want to make a uh, request. Can you both also guess if you think I liked it or not? Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what, dude, when... Like, 10 minutes into this movie, I was like, I'm so excited to hear what Corey thinks about this because of that That's me. That unique format that this movie has of uh, being taped over. Uh, WNUF uh, core. Yeah, it's big time <laughs> WNUF core, which was also sort of grinding on me because I'm kind of over this, like, 80s, 90s nostalgia. We've been doing it for, like, a decade. Oh, my gosh, yeah. We really have, and I feel like it's it's really just been beat into us particularly in the last three years with these vhs movies anyway um my guess is that you didn't like this movie um though i think you're i think you will have gotten a kick out of some of the specific stuff in here but i think as a whole you didn't like it mitch what do you think i think that Corey likes aspects of it like that retro 80s throwback thing especially the insertion of old ads i feel like Corey's about anything that has to do with old commercials like spliced into the media Corey fucking laps that shit up um <laughs> and also i i think a lot of the um bro peep those geese and uh hopefully we can <laughs> i can have to boost that <laughs> base boosted geese but um <laughs> I think that you're going to be hotter on some of the segments than others. I think you're going to like the presentation of maybe the central frame narrative with how it's done almost as like an old style uh, newscast or documentary. Uh, some of the lines in there are very funny. Like, I forget, what do they name the subject? That they're t- Roy. R- Rory. It's Rory. Rory. Rory, Rory, Rory Culkin. Yeah. Rory was as American as a Happy Meal. <laughs> it's my, like, dude, my, it's like stuff like literally that. Literally, my first note is, quote, at first glance, Rory was as American as a happy meal. And I just put the word, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> At first glance, Rory was as American as a happy meal. So good. Um, but I think you're going to be down on some of the segments. Um, but yeah. Do you want to hear my thoughts? Or, or, or I guess. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't like this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like this. Um, it felt like the good segments were like the worst segments of a better VHS movie. Um, 
And there are some segments that, that I like. Uh, Liam a, is nodding a so, fair, a so fair assuredly. Bit. And I will definitely agree with Liam that my uh, 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 my appraisal of the, of one of those segments also improves as it's recontextualized. Um, but I think that some of the segments, especially the ones in the middle and near the end, are downright forgettable. And I think in a lot of the VHS movies, the last frame narrative one is usually the weakest. Um, but even in the last one that you and I did together with like the, um, that was set in the nineties with like nineties terrorists and, uh, (laughs) and this beast that they're feeding, like even that one was, was much better than I think any of the ones, uh, in this one. I didn't, this movie didn't quite do it for me. The gimmick felt tired and the aesthetic felt almost slapdash in places like as though it didn't even really look authentic in places as it looked as though it was almost filmed on a cell phone. And then they just added shitty grain. Uh, I think particularly in the last narrative, that's, that that's especially true. I think it looks poor. Um, but some of the segments look great. Um, I think the gore is, is top drawer. In some of these segments, particularly bullet. Top drawer gore? Yeah, bars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, spit that shit. <laughs> yeah, bars. But. Uh, in that outfit, <laughs> turning you into I'm a. Dressed like a lumberjack. Uh, this is, is Mitchell, my, and I'm here to say. <laughs> I'm Big Joe Muffera. <laughs> in this bitch. <laughs> and I'm here to fuck your mom. That's so childish. Oh god, this is bad. Um Yeah. No, I'm not about this movie. Uh there's things that I like in in places. I feel like I said about every movie. But uh yeah, this one this one stinks. Uh it stinks. Corey. Oh and and yeah, I, I already said what I think that you think about it. Yeah. Um dude, this was so annoying to watch and so frustrating to watch. I don't like this very much at all. And I found myself shocked afterwards looking up reviews and seeing how positive they were. Totally like, agree. VHS returned to form. And I'm like, if this is one of the good ones, the bad ones must be fucking horrible. Yeah, don't listen to those people, Corey. Um, I, really, I really didn't like this. Um, and I found myself shocked at how... I think slapdash is a great word, but also something I really want to underscore in my overall thoughts, and it's what I alluded to earlier, but like the theming of the year feels almost unnecessary. And there are several different sequences that don't really adhere to it, where it's like, for example, No Wake, right? That doesn't feel like we're doing an 80s teens horror movie thing. Right? Like, it's not leaning into we're in a decade, we're going to have that satirical element, spoof it a little bit, and then twist it. Right? It's just, here's young people, but we've shot it on something that looks old, and we have an entirely unrelated gimmick that isn't really a send-up to anything. I feel like you need to lean into what you've established your frame is, and I don't think it does that. I don't think it does it narratively pretty much the entire time. I don't think it does it particularly well aesthetically. Um, I think that regardless of what they did shoot this on, and hell, they could have shot it on VHS, the results don't look good. They don't look... They're not invoking the feeling in you that I think they want it to. It feels like they put a filter on it later. 
it feels like they cropped it later with some minor exceptions in particular i think i think when dream kill gets the look right it gets it the most right but i also think it gets it the most wrong when it gets it wrong it's one of the most glaring examples of not adhering to the look but even um like god of death when they're going through the rubble and like they start with a tv broadcast they're supposed to be leaning into the look of like this is throwback television but by the time they're escaping it just looks like they shot it with a regular camera and like cropped it like i think that they really sell it in the first half though uh like the costuming i think is really exquisite and so is the set work i mean like by the end i agree that it it does deteriorate to a point but also just like cinematically it's just like like this does like VHS eighty five, it doesn't look like it doesn't it doesn't have the feel. It doesn't that look right. It's selling you. And one. I think the the previous one ninety four was that the one we saw. Yeah, it yeah I did a much better job I think encapsulating the the eras. Yeah, um, I just and I I just think that's such it's a big too bad. That's such a big letdown. Most of these stories feel like they could have been told in any year, and it happens to be eighty five. Again, you're establishing such a specific theme use it they're not using it at all the goth kid looks like he should have been from fucking 94 or 99 like it's i don't know and i found that while there is charm in particular with i think how the frame narrative handles it and the stuff like the ads and the cutting in like sure it's cute but it's nowhere near enough to carry the weight of a whole movie and i just found this a very frustrating lost potential what are we doing kind of thing i don't know what they were going for if this is what the results looked like and um it didn't carry me in like no individual segment had enough of a good angle where i was like oh fuck you got me like this is unequivocally cool. Um, there's a handful of interesting twists, but like, um, I don't know. I also think that the way that they tie the two segments together is like really dumb, <laughs> just because they feel so unrelated to each other. Like the idea that we're getting the like, who's this shooter? It's like, oh, she's from a family that kills people for birthdays. And it's like, what are you, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, that's just, that's not a cool enough hook to do that. It's an excuse to make a bunch of violent shit happen. And like, okay, whatever. But I, I don't know. I was very, I was frustrated. I was disappointed. I did not like it. Um, as a response to that criticism from someone who also doesn't, doesn't really like it, but um, I guess I'll just say that I I understand what you're saying about how uh, you know like the that initial no wake segment like didn't feel like a send up of the era and the the eighty five ness feels superfluous to a lot of these segments. I guess I could just say that like that could be uh, the angle. Like I guess they don't need to have some sort of um, clever adherence to 85 like if you watch this movie without knowing the title does each segment actually need to be ascribed to a certain year or can it just be just take the segments for what they are as like this is something that happened at some but then i would argue don't call the movie that right because you're building expectation that you don't pay off 
Right. So just call the movie something else. Right. Um, I think it ends up feeling like pastiche, but not in a particularly interesting way because it doesn't feel like it's well executed upon. Like you can do pastiche in a way that two ways, authentic or silly. This feels like it's just sort of like gesturing toward the era without like really committing in meaningful ways to selling you want it all the way. Um, and I don't feel like there's enough to the individual stories to elevate it beyond that gimmick. So you're left just wanting a little bit. Do we want to get into the individual ones? Yeah. Just because I know we're a little frosty. We we have a plan for later, but uh, we're not We're going to get naked yet. and hug. Mitch has just done the speed up signal. Well, I've got a fire to build. All right. He's All got right. his fire Lumber building jack. jacket on. The first segment uh, is called No Wake. Um, it is a group of, I would say these are college students rather than teens, um, driving in like a camper out to camp by a lake. They ignore some warning signs to not go in the water. They go start goofing around in the water. They set up a tent. They go hang out. While they're out in the boat, they start getting shot by a person off screen, unseen, unidentified, target style. And uh, they realize that despite being murdered... um, if you were in the water, you did not die. Like, your jaw might be ripped off, or, like, your leg might be blown out, but you're alive. You get, you get Tuck everlasting We referenced this a couple episodes ago. Don't give me that face. I don't know what that is. Tuck everlasting. I've never heard it's of this. It's the book. The I don't, book. I don't know what this is. Forget it. Keep going. You were doing beautifully. I, I derailed you. Um... And they decide at the end to to get vengeance um, on the people that killed them. Or attempted to, at the very least. Except for the two people that didn't go in the water. But we don't really know if they do. Or do we? Um, I sort of said already, like... I mean, aside from the fact that uh, I don't think this... This is not how I would approach doing the, like college horror premise in an 85 themed movie where it doesn't really lean into a whole lot and it just feels like teens from any era going to a place and like drinking beers and fucking around um but this one just i don't know how else to put it other than this one just just did not hit it feels aimless yeah it felt aimless to me too um not specifically because of the reason you're describing because i'm i'm thinking of it more like if I'm trying to take these tapes um, as something that actually happened, trying to suspend disbelief, be immersed in the movie, in the in the realism of the of the supernatural, um, teens, college kids who were living in '85 weren't living uh, in a way that would like reference the time period they are in. They're just living because it's like the modern day for them so right, they're just hanging around like a college kid would today i yeah but the movie like the movie's problem is in part and i i'm not going to lean into this this heavily for every segment but i think a, a root issue is that 
the branding of the movie implies a level of self-referentialness to the time that it doesn't do. So, like, it's building up, like, we're going to do this, and then it doesn't do that. So it feels like it's failing its own set-out goals, whether intentionally or otherwise, right? Like, it's promising one thing and then doing something else. I also just think the people here are boring and I don't care, which is, like, a different that's, problem. That is, well, that's my it's problem. It's just very dry. Like, these are almost personalityless people. I, I agree. I don't, I don't, because I don't want to slight the movie for uh, um, misleading marketing or a, a misleading title. Um, but I do think that just within this segment, I think the characters are uh, very forgettable. I thought the acting just didn't feel real to me. Uh, some of the design didn't work. Like, I, I totally felt like there was, like, foley like walking sounds and like grunting sounds behind the camera that like didn't feel like they were actually yeah happening within the moment um it didn't feel real in that way uh i was really confused about like the the cameraman's relationship with the girl who he very casually asks for a blow job on the boat because earlier he was like uncomfortable around her yeah, in the he, forest. Like, he was like nervous to talk to her and then yeah. he was like but what if you had your my dick in your mouth <laughs> Would that work? And it's like, dude, that's not that's not how courtship happens, dude. Yeah. So that that was confusing to me. And when this segment ended, I was just I was so confused. It kind of got me off explain, on a bad foot. It doesn't explain itself well at all. Which ends so up like, being intentional, I think. But but I think you owe your audience a little bit of this is an anthology movie. This is the first one we've never connected them before. This should resolve a little bit. Yeah. Um, and also, I just think it does not communicate well. Like, I thought that the people who lived through being killed, quote-unquote, just had non-fatal wounds. Like, I thought they had just been shot somewhere where it's like, ah, they're going to be okay. And then they have, like, the jawless girl. You're like, oh, what? And that's a gnarly effect. The gore is great. Yeah. But, like, it's so confusing. You know, like, it bodes... Bodes. It almost sounds like boats. Uh, (laughs) But it bodes badly for this film because this is one of the segments that I like the most. Really? Yeah. Both of you? Yeah, and I didn't particularly like it that much. Um... I think the gore, Dang. like the gore, is great. Like I think the the initial instances of, of them all getting shot in the boat is brutal and it's great. And I think the tension of them being uh, trapped inside the boat with shooters sounds like a real like nightmare scenario. I think like the, the, the when they shoot the engine out, it's great. But then you find out that they live forever and they, but they do nothing with that. Like they don't they don't really like use that uh, in the in the later chapter where they recontextualize it. Um, it's. But what if you could give a kid a water gun? Do th- is that them giving the kid the water gun, or is that the cops? Yeah. No, it's them. Okay, well, they say it's the person in the van. Yeah, and then you see the camper drive away. Oh, see, I missed that part. Yeah, no, because that's why the girl at the end reappears and is like, we're going to go get him. They fill it with the living water, and then, yeah. Oh. Wow, you're just catching up? That went completely over my head. What did you think? I just that- thought it was a water gun. <laughs> Liam, go. Take the mic. <laughs> give him the, give him the mic. That uh, dude, I'm totally with you, Mitch. That doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, no, you no, no. See the RV no. drive away. <laughs> no, I. That's what I'm talking about when I'm I'm saying that in hindsight these segments are growing on me because I had to think about 
what I had actually seen. And uh, Dude, maybe that's why my shudder was halfway through, because after the movie ended, I was like, some of this shit didn't make sense to me. I had to go back. Um, so I think this segment, in in conjunction with it, Should we just uh, talk about them both segment. together now? Sure, yeah. Just because we're playing coy about it and there's no reason. Yeah, so when that second segment hits um, and I gradually realize that it took place in the same universe as the first segment, um, but I was still... So much of it is communicated through, um, I think, sort of sloppy dialogue. Um, and so I was... And, and because I wasn't expecting the second segment... An- another segment to build on what I had seen earlier... Um, I was just like I was really confused as to as to what occurred here, and then I think now it, that I realize what happened and I understand how you, how you missed it, Mitch, um, it's a lot cooler to me. Even though, if we're just talking about that first segment, No Wake by itself, yeah, that's like I didn't enjoy watching it at all, and I don't think rewatching it would make me like the things I didn't like about it. But now that I know that they are telling a story that is going to be built upon and I know where the story is going to go I think it's it's kind of a, a clever story idea I like it you know now that you're you're saying all this with the water pistol and, and all of that it makes way more sense and I think maybe I did know because the girl gets like very clearly shot and then she comes back and it's because she's been hit with the water gun yeah, yeah. See, see I just thought that they also maybe took a dip when they were there or something so you thought it was like even dumber yeah <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Okay, well, that's kind of cool, I guess. Um, um, maybe, maybe. Also, I think that that those two stories in connection with each other are are my my favorite. In the let film. me tell the other one quick too, because we're gonna talk about them both now. Yeah, yeah so yeah, go for it. Um, the other one is uh, a family is having like a birthday party. They're seven. They're seven. That's what they call it. It's our seven. We're having our seven. Oh, I. Th- See, okay. we all caught different things. Yeah, well, I'm mm. gonna catch these hands, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they're Bars. having a celebration for this girl who looks like she's like 18. I thought that's why I thought it was a birthday. Um, so definitely not her seventh, but, uh, a bunch of people are over at this big fancy house for a party. There's a guy there who thinks that VHS and beta or whatever, he makes a joke. Um, but the long and short of it is this girl, Ruth, I think is her name. Uh, starts telling the story about how she like marked this like milestone in her life that everybody else had done, which then we see flashes back to her as the person in the truck who went to that campsite and killed the campers. And the reason she did that is because everybody in her family marks some occasion by killing seven people. And that's the whole gimmick of this one. And I'm saying that like I think it's stupid because I think it's stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But the campers who are alive because of the infinite life water have called the police and uh, crashed the party. And before they did that, they gave a little kid a water gun full of lake water that made them live forever. And he shot a few people, or maybe just her, at the mm-hmm. party. So then the police raid this family party which everyone is now armed they have a couch full of guns everyone is now armed everyone is dead but she gets like shot and then she comes back to life tries to kill more of the police dies again comes back and then gets like arrested 
and then like it cuts back to the campers being like, "We're gonna get them." That's right. Yeah. This is probably my favorite. Uh, this and I guess the connection to the first is is maybe my favorite. There's some other ones that are. Con- there's one other one that's a contender. Um, but I think the the recontextualization in the last part and um the art direction as well i think that there's kind of like a warmth like a nostalgic feeling to the gathering that i think is really fun um and i think like there's a there's an overall campiness that i vibe with like when all of a sudden they start throwing out guns at each other and they're just like they're here we got to protect it and the old lady picks up the ak-47 it's there there is like something that's kind of like like a warmth that i associate with like family gatherings of years past but then it collides with like this <laughs> with all the this, firearms it, colli- it collides with this weird like cult gun gun culture that i vibe with uh and Did that, you hear that mitch vibes with gun culture i don't look at his jacket i uh, so i shoot the odd clay pigeon shoot the odd person on my property but otherwise <laughs> i just i just watch vhs movies anyway um yeah i i think i vibe with this one the most Apparently, yeah, apparently it went over my head. But now that I'm thinking more about it, <laughs> woo-wee! I just, before Liam goes to Julie, I just think these two gimmicks together as well just feel really dumb. Like where it's like, oh, what if uh, it was a lake that made you live forever no matter what happened and also a random unnamed shooter was there? And also, what if that shooter was there because they're, she lives in a death cult? And also, they gave a water gun to a kid that made her live forever as revenge. It's a really fantastical premise that feels like a hard thing to sell, and I just don't know if it does it for me. But Yeah, I certainly didn't think that it sold it as well as I wish it did while watching it, but I do think it is a really cool idea on paper. And I liked I liked um, the, uh, it's called Ambrosia. Yeah, which I, I guess is a reference like the ancient, sort of ancient, is it Greek or Roman? Like the gods have it, it's like a drink? Greeks. Yeah, it's the Greeks. Um, I, I, Don't even attribute it to me, it's the Greeks. <laughs> uh, they would have heard you say it if you had a mic. <laughs> You can't keep teeing me up like this. Um, I liked the Ambrosia segment more <laughs> just in terms of the characters and the feel. I agree with Mitch that I like I like the uh, the sort of <laughs> it does so, this one did have an eighties quality to it of an eighties house party. Um I think And I guess are, people at least did film those parties seemingly. Yeah, so makes like, sense. What? Makes sense. Um, and when they so quickly take out all the guns, I was like, "What is going on here?" Um, America, am I right? And I and I and I liked wondering that. Um, and I, I I liked the lead, uh, that lead woman who is who is a killer killer. Um, so I thought that this segment had the liveliness that I wished that the first segment had with that. Yeah, group no of wake kids. is again personalityless. It mm-hmm. is a void. Um. Which is unfortunate because it's because its premise is so nuts that I feel like you need some pizzazz to to get it over the line. Yeah, yeah, and I get I I get wanting to make this segment and taking this this big swing. I think it is a really cool idea. I just wish that it had been communicated to me better in the moment. I don't know if that's my failing or or the movie. Um, it's the movies. You think so? I'm confident. You're a pretty sharp guy. So was Mitch, and Mitch missed more than uh, than you did. Uh, do we want to call it on those? Sure. 
Yeah. Did you guys rank them when you did this? I didn't, but I could. Okay. We'll do that at the end. Yeah, okay. I just I just had the thought. So next up we'll talk about God of Death. Um God of Death is about a news channel in Mexico getting ready for its morning broadcast. Uh they have a reporter out doing a hit for the first time, like a live sort of streeter or like from a scene. Um which is interrupted by a sudden earthquake that destroys the building, kills several of the crew, traps some others, and a rescue team goes in to help one man escape. Uh, as it progresses, it's revealed that the earthquake has, A, caused significantly widespread damage, and B, is not a traditional earthquake. It appears to have been prompted by something. Something is driving them down. Something supernatural, uh, which ultimately is revealed to be... A death god, which has come to like take over the earth. I'm gonna have An to pull, Aztec death god. I'm gonna have to pull the name of the god because I don't have it. In, I don't have it memorized, but um, that is what happens. And then at the end, one of the women goes like, "Yeah, I love you, uh, Aztec death god." Um, let me get that name, and while I do, somebody can tell me what they thought of. Sure, this. I can go. I can go. Um, this one is the next contender for my favorite i think really yeah you're um, full of surprises bro. i have i have that's a, crazy a lot of problems with it i think it's too hur- <laughs> I, I think it's too hurried for for starters it's too brief it's it's um it feels a bit like you get whiplash from it um just in the sense that but i think like the depiction of the earthquake and i think some of the rooftop scenery like is really good i think like um the build up to it with the newscast is really um, fun and it feels authentic. Uh, I think the idea of having an Aztec God um, beneath all of this feels like vintage VHS in a way. Um, Um, May I make an attempt to pronounce this? Go for it. So uh, this God comes from Mictzlan, the lowest and northernmost section of the underworld and is called Mictzlan Tekulti. Nice. Tekutli. Good one. Once again, please correct me because I did. I may, may have picked up on the mic. I tried to play the pronunciation on from Wikipedia, but I could not hear it because my speakers were not loud enough. But because um, you were too scared. Because I'm too scared. But um, yeah. So yeah, it's a it is an Aztec uh, death god from the yeah. underworld. So I like. I think that that is all like, aka just sort of a guy. <laughs> great camp. Very fun. I think the ending is a cool idea, but I don't like the execution. I think it's dumb. Uh, th- that final shot is kind of dumb, and it moves entirely too quickly in that last half. I wish they gave it more time to breathe. Um, but I do like like the mercy kill. I think there's some good f- like jokes in that. There's surprising humor, like when that guy farts in the in the ventilation shaft. Um, there is something like evocative and Lovecraftian about this this like primordial evil that's driving them deeper and deeper into the bowels of of this city. Um, but yeah, I just have, uh, again, it's, it's, it's not great, but it might be my favorite or second favorite, uh, of it. I think it's evocative and interesting, but ultimately I think it fails to deliver. I would have liked to see a more flushed out thing. Like, I think if you, if you, uh, made it like 20 minutes longer or something, I think it could be, be better. I think it's, it's, it's worse because of its length. I will and give, I think the whole film is too long, which is interesting. I but. will say... I think 
three of these have enough to the premise where you could probably have just made a whole movie. Um, not all of them, but like some of them do. I think this is one. This could be Cloverfield-esque. Like this um, one feels, I think, like one of the better flushed out narratives and ideas uh, sure. within this. I think that the other ones have a lot of issues, and this one, in terms of a concept, feels pretty complete but but rushed. Me? Um, I did not like this one at all. Um, the newscast is fun. I liked sort of the crew like goofing around and like the big boss lady and everybody getting started. Uh, I just could not get into the like going through the building endlessly, <laughs> endlessly, just like crawling through rubble talking about whatever guy gets stabbed it's that cool effect but like it just didn't hook me and then when once we actually get the reveal of like something's happening here i thought the aztec god design that they went with where it's like mostly just a guy looked kind of dumb just in that it lacks like scale and it lacks like impact of being like oh fuck there it is cloverfield as an example once you see the thing you're like holy shit what the fuck is that? And here I'm like, oh, it's a guy. <laughs> Here's a guy. And then the the woman just sort of being like, oh, no, I've been taken over by the Aztec god with his powers. Yeah, the design is is lacking. I think if they had, again, more time to flesh that out, Yeah, uh, I think it could be really cool. Like, I would like the idea of an Aztec death god. I mean, like, that sounds great. What, me? I love a death god. That sounds great in, in, in theory, but in practice it doesn't work here. And I think it descends into that, like, shitty thing that a lot of the VHS movies do where it's like, oh, this person's possessed but they look exactly the same. I feel like a lot of these movies have that problem. I think they you know just wanted I mean? to put tits in this one. Yeah, I think they did They did put that in this, for sure. And it feels needless but, like, what, I guess maybe the Aztecs, I, I don't know anything about Aztec death ritual, really. Was it naked? Was it done in the nude? Do we know? I don't know. I don't I'm know. asking the wrong guys. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I think aesthetically this one has fun moments. Um, I wish they had done more with the design of the building. I feel like if you really wanted to amp up the pastiche, like interior design of the building, I almost wish it was a little bit less destroyed. And then they had like a real just like pastel nightmare building. They allude it, to that very slightly. I think this like brutalist concrete building falling apart looks great though like, it doesn't look bad I'm i just think saying, it looks really good considering like the i'm just the budget of this film i think the most of the budget was poured into this chapter. i just think it missed a chance for a little bit of fun there I where, think a, yeah maybe i think there, there could have been more but uh i really liked the way that that was all depicted yeah i don't dis i'm not saying it's bad yeah. like yeah. i'm just saying like if they wanted to lean into it yeah. more, that's an avenue to potentially it's, have done that. It's the last half that's underbaked, and I get why you would do it. In, it in this the, one just in, peters out. Like, it theory. just sort of like, fades. Because they're going for that Lovecraftian, like, fear of the unknown thing. You don't want to show too much. It's just a guy. They, but they don't... The, what they do show sucks. Yeah, it's just a guy. So, like, I don't know. I feel like if you're going to be economical with it and keep it evocative, like, don't show me anything, but, but like, <laughs> flush out the mystery. Or, like, I don't know. But there, there's something that's not working here because they're they're showing. I want more, but they're showing too much. If that makes any sense. Yeah, William. Yeah. I hate that I can't stand by my shepherd's pie, Mike sharing brother in this segment. But uh, I also did not like this one at all. Um, I 
I think the pacing of this one hurt me more than in any other segment. Um, it ambles around. Oh, it's such an amble. Like, to me, that whole midsection um, where they're crawling through the, the ruins of the, the earthquaked building felt like it went on for so long without... Um, learning anything or having much interesting happen and I thought I thought the set design there absolutely just felt like they were just going through the same area over and over um what you haven't seen destroyed stairwell yet (laughs) I thought it was just (laughs) dude this one's this one's sick that you don't understand there's rubble in it (laughs) (laughs) dude there was just so much rubble and I so I just thought it was depressingly boring um so it kind of suffered to me for the, the same with the same problem that the segment before it had no wake where it was just like, I'm not all that interested in these characters as they're just kind of bopping around. Um, I liked the news broadcast at the beginning. Um, but then the momentum to me got killed so quickly. Um, right after that, the, that big chunk of rubble fell on the anchor and like they did a glitch effect right before the, yeah. the thing, crushed her that's when i knew that like this this segment was fighting an uphill battle i'm glad that you brought that up because i don't have my notes in front of me just because i don't want to keep leaning over to get them and they're i'm a little cold so i'm a little just like but um survival no like i'm not dying but it's just like uh it's okay i have jack i brought my own jacket mitch just is looking for reasons to move around mitch just wants to go inside mitch is done with this episode already um uh yeah, well, I mean, once we get through, we can get your thoughts on the frame narrative last, and then you can go start doing it because you don't plug anyway. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, I can't believe I have to keep this in. That's so annoying. Just I don't want to cut it because the ambience is like continuous, and I don't want it to sound weird. But anyway, the thing I was trying to say before I forgot was. Um, that was a great example to me of they're just throwing spaghetti at the wall of when to invoke like the analog feel. And that was part of the thing that kept me from feeling immersed in it all the way. It's just like, here's a glitch. Here's some static. Here's some noise. And it felt like very haphazard. Um, I think that's a good example of that. Like they were using it for effect, I guess, but like it doesn't, it doesn't work. Agreed. Yeah, I w- I would have rathered it have been more like a live leak video where it just holds on it. You don't even need to do uh, a um a gore effect there. I think you could kind of. I mean, I'm not a filmmaker, of course. Maybe I'm talking out my I, ass. But I disagree. I would think you could You've do made like short a, films. <laughs> you could do like some sort of splice effect where it's just you see the thing come down on them and then. They just get crushed beneath it, but you don't have to do a gore effect. It's just like you cut it at the right time where it's about to you land on them, cut that. and then jump Couldn't cut you? it. Like, I don't um, know. We're not. You're right. We're not. And I just, I just want it to feel like, oh shit! I just saw someone get crushed by this. Yeah, thing. and not like, oh shit! I just saw buffering. <laughs> like a Final Destination two crush. Like a Final Destination amazing two. crush. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and then um, cherry crush with the payoff. You know, I mentioned that a lot of these a short film is often a setup and a punchline, and I just think this punchline one isn't worth the setup. The juice is not worth the squeeze here, um, and two, I think. The payoff has been done by other VHS segments 
in a, a way to me that is more memorable or scarier because the cult thing has really been done in VHS segments at this point where it's like uh, something, some characters are hanging out, something sort of creepy or catastrophic happens, and then we realize that there is a sinister cult at work. Um, there can't be this many cults. There are so many cults. Paranormal bro. Activity Three has a cult, even. <laughs> um, and I think it's been I think it's it's been done better over and over. And so I think that this segment just needed to do something new. And um, you know, like the Ratma segment from '94. I know you've seen those memes a little bit. Also, more. Ratma, I would argue, better looking newscast. Sure. Yeah. I haven't even seen the whole thing, but like, I, I think I think the newscast looks great here. What do you mean, bro? It looks, it looks fine. I think like the, the the set decoration and the costuming in this is like top shelf for the newscast. It looks like that the one 80s. Lady, that one lady's fit is insane. Yeah, it's okay. Anyway, it's on brand, I guess. I don't know. I'm just not as enthusiastic as you are about it. Um, so I think that's the hurdle here. Like, I'm not saying any of it's bad. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we can leave that one there. Um, we got two more, and then the frame narrative. Two more in the frame narrative. I'm gonna be honest. Actually, you can you can talk. You, you can be do honest. The, do you want to go do it now? No, you can like you can. T- uh, so this one, um, which one? The next one that we're talking about. I oh how about this? I'll do the plot really fast, and if you need to go do something, I don't think it really it. matters because I got up and took a shit halfway through this one, and it was over when I came back. You didn't watch <laughs> it? <laughs> Not really. I kind of like I kind of rewinded. You kind of missed out on a neat bit then, at least. Oh, sorry. Whatever. Anyway, I hope you guys. Enjoyed so it. the plot of this one is: if you die in the game, you die for real. And that's that's pretty much it. Um, so this one, there is a woman doing performance art that revolves around her getting in a VR system, and we see commercials for the VR headset and gloves and everything. And she is doing one about how we've replaced God with technology. She's like giving a speech, and then her angle is that she gets into the cyber world like Johnny Mnemonic, and she like seeks to find god the god that technology has built the technology that we've replaced god with she's like where is your god show me and she gets in the vr world and she's like going through cyberspace and she's looking for god and uh uh-oh in this last performance of her show the real techno god shows up and he's not happy that she keeps yelling at him and she in the game in the virtual space gets like limbs chopped off and shit and it all happens on the stage in real life, and people think it's like all performance art, so they're like very impressed and sort of shocked. But uh, she just gets died for real in sort of a spy kids kind of way. Um, it's how I would put it. Mitch didn't see it, so I'll just ask Liam: Did you like this one? No, I did not. Um, similar reasons. Similar reasons where it was just like, for the bulk of it, I was wondering why am I watching this? I. Was just, the juice just worth watching the, the performance art? I was just it goes on for a while. She does she does uh, commit. Um, and so I just was not enjoying that at all. Um, and again, you know, you get a punchline, and so I appreciate that. This, and the gore effects are cool. The gore effects are cool, though. I do want to say that I felt every segment had. Very similar feeling gore effects. They did, and that kind of bummed me. They out. definitely had the same team yeah. <laughs> do them all, and that that kind of bummed me out. Of course, I wouldn't if it was a regular narrative movie. I would be fine with gore effects being. But the same they all, all feel the way very different aesthetically, 
except for the gore. Yeah, and then the, yeah, which it's makes just sort it of this out. like campy, bloody, neon, vibrant. Gore. Which is fun, but yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's most appropriate here because like the cyber world is like full camp. It's like neon Tron laser lines, like polygonal pyramid cities, and she's just like floating through cyberspace. And she encounters like this jagged polygon demon uh that's like chopping her up. So like that all feels like goofy. And I like how austere and like plain the stage setting is. I think the contrast is there. But like it this one feels like completely aimless. And um I don't know if it's attempting to like mock that style of performance art in how like she's just yelling the same thing over and over and not doing anything. But like it doesn't make for interesting film viewing. Exactly. I'll tell you that. This like, this this would be more at home in an ABCs of Death movie where it's like uh a couple minutes long right. in an anthology. V is for movie. VR. Yeah. And then just put someone in the VR. Uh-oh, the VR is real. Yeah. Um cuz it's it's not a bad idea, but I just think it's that It's a cute premise and I I I was a little bit surprised that that was what happened. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, okay. Neat." But like that was it, you know? Yeah, and uh, this is where I really it started. Needed a bigger crowd, too. Yeah, it's like three people. <laughs> Which I—that's the true performance art way. Truly, um, this is where I really started to realize that this movie has a comedic, campy sensibility that is quite different than um, the first couple movies, and. It honestly reminded me of the third VHS movie a lot, VHS Viral, which is... Uh, Live leak videos. Crit- no, 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 the, quite the opposite. That one is critically maligned. Um, it, it is a lot campier. It feels so different than the first two movies. And I'm going to say, I'm going to call it right now, I think that movie is going to be reappraised in the future because it actually reminds me a lot of where the franchise has gone. Um, it was the marker. I, yeah, I think so, and I think right now people are talking about it as if it's a singular outlier. Um, but I think it, I think it's more similar to the tone of what the franchise is doing now than um, than I've seen talked about all that much. I think VHS viral. Are you was a ahead VHS of its time. viral truther? Yeah, and I like it. Yeah, I liked it. Um, very surprisingly. Anyway, I talk about VHS Viral on the other VHS 94 episode because I watched it in prep for, for that episode so people can check that out. But um, Not a great hit here. Not a great not a great hit. Those Mars Attacks ass eyeballs, hey? When that was kind of fun, though. See your body, yeah. Did She's Saw like X an or this movie have better eyeballs? Yeah. Uh, th- ah. I think this movie. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I think it's cool that the VR like melts her face. It's like kind of fun. Sure. Yeah. Um, so let's do Dream Kill, and then we can do the frame narrative, and then we'll let we'll get on with it. We'll get on with our lives. Yeah. 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 Dream Kill. So yeah, go ahead. Go for it. Okay. Dream Kill is like, it's like our edgy True Detective segment. I haven't seen True Detective, so I may be talking out of my ass a little bit here. But the reason I'm saying that, maybe it's more like seven. I don't know. <laughs> Which you've seen once, according to last episode. Yeah, I have. It's more than zero times. But um, it's like a police procedural that is um, organized around... Uh, there's a guy who is investigating, I guess, 
serial murders around the town because they're being sent VHS tapes, right? And he, they're watching the tapes. They're seeing these violent murders. They haven't happened yet. And then the murders are happening. And the detective feels like he's going fucking crazy because he's like, I've seen this already. I know what happens here. And we see these really distorted, really gritty, the furthest we've ever been from found footage. The implication that this is a VHS tape that someone like shot and made is like the furthest stretch we've made to date. Um, because it looks like so crunchy. They're so heavily edited. Like they don't resemble reality and you can make the supernatural argument for that which the movie does yeah like it's a dream but like it's that's such an, a stretch of the found footage premise and then the rest of this is just like there are convenient cameras in every room so i found that a little bit frustrating in terms of just like being not so even, far not from even the convenient gimmick. cameras like cameras that don't even fucking make sense like like especially in the, the one at the end but... when the kid is in the hallway just standing there and there's a camera eye level with him does not make any fucking and sense no at all. sense yeah but fuck that anyway so they're setting these up and there's a guy he's like killing people with a little like electric saw that you would use on like a turkey and um the cops are trying to figure what happens they stake out the mailbox where the tapes are being left they find this goth kid who's like, his dad and the cops come in and they talk to the goth kid and he's like, so I'm having dreams where these murders are happening and then they're on a tape and he's mailing the tapes in. I honestly don't remember how they get on the tape in the first place. Is he receiving the tapes? I don't remember how the tapes are being made. But in any case, he has the tapes. The murders are happening. They want to pin it on him. And then it gets a little bit confused in that... So they can, the dad and the son can both see murders before they happen. It's like genetic. It's genetic and though, but this encounter is going to end with killing and they both know that already. So like they're making threats at each other that are empty because they both know how it's going to end or at least the kid does. And then there's like a big bloodbath in the police station and that's kind of it. It's the most narratively what the fuck is happening, I think, of all of these, because the ending is confusing to me still, in terms of, like, the who knows what's about to happen, who dreamed what, why do we know this? Not very well articulated. Um, however, some of the best stuff in the movie is in this one, I think. And you, neither of you reacted to that sentence at all, so maybe I'm the only person that thinks that. But um, the kill sequences in this are fucking great. They just don't really fit the theme, <laughs> but they're really cool. It sort of it was giving me like, what if you put Skinamarink through the Texas Chainsaw Massacre filter? Like, um, I really liked the the low light and the hyper grain and the stumbling cameraman and the really hyper close gore stuff. And the light leak flash edits. I thought it all looked great. Does it feel consistent with the rest of it? N not really. Are they cool on their own? Yes, extremely. And I think that's the highlight here. I really like this premise. It needed to be for a whole movie. They do not have the space to use it here. And that really holds this back narratively. I didn't like this at all. I hated this segment. You did? 
Yeah, I thought it stunk. Oh wow! I okay. thought the whole thing that stunk. Was the shit you just took. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I didn't leave the fan on. Um, no, no, I really didn't like this 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 segment. I thought uh, I didn't find it dramatically interesting. I didn't find the characters particularly interesting. I found it wildly inconsistent with the rest of the film. Um, I thought it was like uh, True Detective meets Bunuel in the worst possible way. Um, oh, so now you can reference True Detective and it's fucking fine. Well, I've seen it. <laughs> but I was right. Stop pretending. But I was You're right. You're just pretending, bro. But I was right. But I was right. I don't think the True Detective is really like a terrible comparison, to be honest. Um, it's doing that gritty, that gritty thing. That gr- Who are you today? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I just didn't. This one just did not click. I think by this point, the movie's an hour fifty. Yeah. I was ready to be out. And also, the, interro- the interrogation scenes look awful. And they look awful. I think the acting in this is really, uh, really clumsy. Um, on all parts, or do you have a particular on issue? most parts? I think the goth kids like not that that great. That is just the director's son. I know, and yeah. I, you. I think that's all that is. I think that was like the director like, ah, I can have fun making a movie with my kid. And it's like great. Like I'm glad that like Shutter gave you the space to do that and that you had fun. But as a viewer, you know, I mean, like I don't want to be like t- too harsh on it, but I, uh, yeah, it didn't do anything for me. This this whole segment, I thought was. Uh, extraordinarily weak by the standards of the franchise so it just wasn't for me this was the segment where as it was going on I was thinking okay now we're cooking yeah I was really digging it this is one of the better ones I think um to me it has the inverse uh, of the problem that I had with the other segments where this setup to me was so cool and intriguing I was invested in the story right away. This idea that we have a tape of a murder uh, that hadn't happened yet, and now the murder has just happened. What do we do? Um, so cool. I totally agree with Corey that watching those tapes is amazing. I loved the look of the tapes. I want to know, Mitch, what you felt about those those murder scene tapes, because to me... That was directly just Scott Derrickson doing Sinister again, and I thought it was also I didn't so nice. I didn't reference that, but also um, I I've just sat here thinking about it and like put two and two together on the bagul of it all. But um, yeah, it looks a lot like that actually, like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. It's the same thing. It's creepy sound effects, uh, but it's really good here. Yeah, and it's really great in Sinister too. Well, I haven't seen Sinister 1, so... Yeah. Do you mean Sinister as well, or Sinister 2 as well? No, no, the first Sinister. <laughs> um, the one that he did. Uh, I, yeah, I thought those tapes were so scary. One of the tapes uses a song called Hamburger Lady. I don't know if you guys noticed it. Uh, it's just this song that has a lot of, like, creepy spoken word and, and echoing vocals. It's a song that, that I'm really fond of and hearing it, and it's a really scary song. And so hearing it used, I just thought it was brilliant. Um, so I loved watching these tapes. Um, I thought that those tapes specifically, this, this just like they're my favorite part of Sinister, they are my favorite part of this movie and 
if just taking the tapes as a whole, like that's some of my favorite stuff in the franchise where that's scratching the itch I want, where it's like, this is live leak. This is a snuff film. This is something that I shouldn't be watching. And then so combining that with the supernatural element initially where they're like, these tapes are of murders that haven't happened yet. So I know something supernatural is going on, which is sort of the VHS way at this point. I was very curious to see how it would resolve. And like you, Corey, I found the ending uh, confusing and perhaps rushed. Nonsensical. <laughs> nonsensical. I read. Uh, I read an interview with Scott Derrickson after, where he's talking about how um, some people might call that conclusion a cheat of the found footage uh, Which conceit. And he says that it's very specifically not. It's just uh, like some of the footage you're seeing is it means that it is from the dream. And then some of it is actually from cameras, and that's the cutting that's happening there. So he's just circumvented the whole thing, which feels yeah, like it's against yeah, yeah. the spirit of the movie. Then, if not the letter, is it, it is interesting that it comes from Scott Derrickson because I I I like him and I I like I like you know sinister and, and all of that. I think if the roles were switched, if the if the if the timing of the segments were switched, and somehow this were shuffled. More forward in the film, I would have liked it more because at this point I wasn't so hot on everything else that was going on that I was kind of just ready for the for it to be over. And the fact that it was uh, frustratingly nonsensical, and I no longer really cared about the movie, I think I just checked out on it. I also think though, if this were earlier in the film, it would play worse because it feels some of the most removed from the '80s gimmick. And if I was going in with this expectation and then it looked and felt like that, I would be like, so they've thrown the found footage out the window and the 80s out the window and we just got here. So I think it had to be there. But I think all of those things in tandem made me care. Sure. It made me care sure, less sure, sure. about it yeah. uh, as a whole, right? So, yeah, I, But yeah. I think that I would have been able to invest more in the like the more offbeat elements of the storytelling, I think, more if I had more stamina left over or stamina. <laughs> stamina. <laughs> stamina left over from i think like the earlier parts but they had kind of just beaten me down and i was ready to be done fair so and i'll just add that um two points one the detective official opposite james uh ransom um you knew who james ransom was yeah bro he was the lead in sinister two really (laughs) are you serious i didn't recognize the name or the face at all (laughs) Not even for a second. Um, Did you hear me say his name earlier? Like I had never heard it before. In my yeah, life. yeah, yeah. Um, the the guy opposite him, I thought all his lines were so cheesy, and the way he said them was super cheesy. So it must have been directed. But I didn't like that because I thought that this segment, despite the supernatural bend, uh, felt the most realistic and scary in terms of its uh. The, the aesthetic of it and um, and its setup, and so I thought he felt like he was plucked from a different segment in the movie. And then I also felt uh, like the ending um, had the same problem that I have with these other segments, where it's just like we're gonna have a lot of carnage all of a sudden the, with this gunfight and this and this gore. This movie is addicted to guns. Yeah, I would have much rathered if it was. Uh, some sort of quieter, disturbing ending. Because that's yeah. what I was getting from the first half of or it. Or give him, like, uh, 
can like uh, telekinetic powers or something. Just yeah. take the guns out of it. Yeah. Um, not unlike this movie, our ending I think is about to be a little bit rushed as well. Uh, I think we're a little bit cold, and I think we've all regretted this road trip. We've got to, no, we've got to br- we've got to take a little bit of a break. We have another thing that we want to get to. So, like, I think maybe final words on the on the frame narrative, and then yeah, we're yeah. gonna do the frame narrative. We'll do a quick ranking, and we'll get out of town. Yeah. The frame narrative is like a sixty minutes style news documentary. About a guy named Rory who's maybe an alien and not a guy. Who's as American as a cheeseburger. No. As a Happy Meal. Thank you. Thank you. That was close. Thank you. <laughs> um, and we, throughout the movie, in between each of the segments, we see this newscaster telling the story of this team of scientists who encountered this extraterrestrial life form, Rory, put him in a lab, gave him TV for some reason. They gave him TV... And books as a means of attempting to communicate through culture. Like, establishing a cultural dialogue will open up lines of communication. The alien starts to change. He starts to change form, grow a tentacle, start looking like another guy who wasn't even in the room. Mm. And one of the scientists is like, this is dangerous, I'm in cold feet. We see cut in interviews with her. And uh, it all culminates in... Uh, the alien has like turned into a a guy with a bunch of tentacles, and he attacks everybody at the end. Whatever, but and in the very end, it shows that what he does with their bodies is he uses it to imitate the culture that he's been shown, which is the like television James Fonda aerobic videos. Yeah, and and which is funny because I think, you know, they they don't show him. I think like the valuable parts of human culture. They just show him like and weird maybe that's shit some out, sort of, of out of context. Comment on like eighties. Reagan America, maybe, um, and just like and just like excess and like cultural. Like stupidity. we didn't, we didn't show him compassion. We didn't show him how to how to care for one another. We showed him aerobics, aerobics videos, seemingly exclusively aerobics, and and just like weird. He's horny as fuck for leotards now, which is sort of weird. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I'm. I might go first on this one just because I'm going to start building the fire for reasons. For reasons, yeah. You can cut that out. Reasons. I'm not cutting anything out, but okay, you'll right. you'll see why. Yeah, um, well, you'll hear why, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you didn't I, like it. I think that this frame narrative is comparatively like to the other ones in the franchise, not that great. Uh, I I I wasn't really that interested in like the this alien being. I think the design is good on it. I think it looks kind of interesting. Um, but if they were trying to comment on Reagan Reagan. America and like the the era of like mall and eighties excess malls and eighties excess and I don't know video drum. I think they did that in a way that really wasn't that great. Um, I think it could have been uh, more interesting. Um, and it just jumped back into it in ways that I I felt were not like meaningful or not like clean and didn't tie into the other narratives as cleanly as other films do in the past like in the first one for example they're going through like this or maybe it's the second one they're going through like this this weird house and they're putting in the the, the tapes one after the other and i think it works better and it feels more coherent oh like they're literally on yeah tapes. yeah the, all the tapes that seems like i mean of course they did it early but it's like yeah of course that seems way better That's such an easy yeah it's, yeah it's easier uh it but it's works, also good it works better if it ain't broke um fix it and I just this one felt so isolated from everything else 
thematically, narratively. It didn't tie it all together. It just wasn't very satisfying. So I wasn't crazy about it, but I do like some of the cosmetic things about it and i do like the 60 minute storytelling style i love the anchor i love the anchor the anchor is brilliant and uh i love some of the like the the writing that they I do also with think the throws the, the cut-in interviews with the scientists who quit yeah. are good she's like very that's great she feels very yeah uh period but that's my two cents i have a fire to build rank um, the segments um okay uh i'm gonna combine like the first segment with the the context one that's my first the, Can you repeat that whole what? So the 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 the, the first segment everybody might combined know. with the latter one where they where they shoot out their their seven party or whatever. Oh, okay. So yeah. So no wake in Ambrosia is number number one. One. Number two is the uh, dead god. God of death. God of death. Uh, three, I guess, is um. I see murders before they happen. Dream I see kill. dead people. And four, be four is people. the one that I took a shit through. <laughs> Techno God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something goes below the one you uh, Actually, no. I, I guess the frame narrative. <laughs> and then the one I took a shit through. <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> yeah, okay. And lastly, I gotta Mitch, go. do you have anything you'd like to plug? No, I have to fire to build. But there's but there is chili in there. Please eat it or my mother's heart will be We're broken. We're going to eat it, dude. Okay. We're almost done. I'm so looking forward to warming up with some chili. Yeah, I'm, we're cold. We didn't think about this great. Yeah, it's dark out here. It's dark and cold. But I still want to know what you think about the frame narrative. Because this is the one where, you know, right when I saw it at the beginning, I was like, this is Corey Core. And then some of that stuff is laced in. Like, there are a few tiny little commercials, and yeah, those, this those is will the, count. This feels the most tapped into the the premise promised by the title. Agreed. I think that makes it better than a lot of the other things here immediately. Just purely based on that. I think it's better execution of the thing that you're expecting. And I think it's charming. I think in in WNUF fashion, it feels very tapped into how those things feel. The anchor is the best part of this. He is so... He's got that warm, sort of inquisitive tone... And um, all the styling is very accurate, and I like the way that the show itself is actually presented. Um, aesthetically, I think this hits a lot of the marks. Um, I liked elements of the infighting between the scientist groups and how that gets sort of doled out a little bit over time. I just didn't care about, like, the actual, like, the material, what was happening. Like, I didn't care about this alien or that he was growing stuff or whatever. I think it gets a little bit neat when you realize that he's mirroring a guy who wasn't in the room. But um, for all the effective pastiche and aesthetic elements, I wasn't that hooked by the narrative of the narrative. Um, But it might be the most aesthetically successful, or at least, like, top two. I agree with that. Um, and I also would say that uh, this is uh, up there with the most successful in general. Um, I really enjoyed every time we got back to this story in between, which I think is is um, what you want out of a wraparound. You you don't want to you don't want to be begrudgingly going back to it and just be like looking forward to the next segment. At some point, this wraparound like became a refuge for me. Um, I think it is a really interesting story that is immediately 
saying something. Uh, you know, my introductory quote there, which is, uh, um, we treat other intelligent life horribly. That's part of what this segment is getting at, and it's a it's a simple thought that so many movies before it have done, uh, but I like seeing it channeled through this uh, made-for-TV documentary that, to me, felt very realistic. Bro, are you feeling that wind? Mm, <laughs> oh, it's frosty out here now, dude. Um, I really loved the, the alien effects here, and I loved that every it's time goopy. we return to the segment, he's changed a little bit. Rory yeah. is... is Evolving. He's going through puberty. Um, I I thought that, I mean, I I just wanted to see this segment entirely without cutting away from it, and I understand that that cutting away from it that's that's the it was structured to be cut away from. Um, but I I've got to wonder if the payoff would have worked better for me. Um, had I watched it all at once, and maybe I could do that at some point. Jump around. There'll be um, a fan edit. Yeah, um, and I also I'm a broken record, but I found that the the ending of it to me felt like I was just like kind of over this idea of um, seeing some little tentacle monster uh, yeah. slaughter people. Um, it reminded me of some of the effects in other VHS segments, particularly this guy did a segment in the first VHS movie um, that is uh, my favorite in in that segment. Um, and this sort of felt like it was calling back to that segment in its effect, um, which was just kind of disappointing to me because I had grown uh, so fond of the unique... Uh, effect that that of rory developing and then for him to develop into into goopy tentacle guy yeah that felt like i just i'd seen it before even in stuff like the void um but i i think it's a really cool idea i think it rides uh a cool line between like seediness camp um and having something to say um so I think that this uh, this segment is one of the better ones in the way that it's able to to balance all those tones. Nice. What's your ranking, Corey? That's a good question. I've been trying to think about that the whole time. I'm worried I'm going to say something that like I instantly don't agree with, but I think I'm I think I'm pretty much there. I think Dream Kill is first, and. How much do you like Dreamkill? I know you're not a numbers rating guy, but I'm wondering, like, if that's your first, how much do you oh, like gosh. it? I can give you a number, but the number's not even that high. Yeah, that's it's, what I want to know. It's probably, like, a six. Okay. That's not a good sign. It's not great. But, like, the the stuff that's good is, like, an eight and a half. Like, but, in, it, within that segment? Yeah, but the bad stuff's, like, a two. I agree. <laughs> like, you gotta balance it out. Um, So that's probably, like, a six. Um, Maybe a six and a half. Uh, I would say Dream Kill, and then, oh, jeez, Louise, Dream Kill, Giant Gap, the rest. <laughs> no, Dream Kill, Frame Narrative, I think. Uh, and then, No Wake, Ambrosia, God of Death, Techno God, I think. I think I agree with you entirely. I would just switch, um, Techno God. And God of Death. That one's honestly a coin flip for me yeah. anyway. So, like, um, just chuck him to the bottom and, like, I'm okay. 
Uh, the first half of Dream Kill would absolutely be top, um, but it really had had a disappointing landing for me. Um, so that makes it below Total Copy, even though Total Copy didn't have as high of highs. Yeah, but you it put, still had you some put highs. Dream Kill after Total Copy. I would because of the second oh, half. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, that's right. Yeah. So that would be a flip as well. Okay. So I would go total copy number one, uh, Dream Kill beneath it, uh, with the caveat that the tapes in Dream Kill is some of the best stuff in the franchise. Um, then I would go No Wake Ambrosia, which has really grown on me, even though I didn't really like watching it, particularly No Wake. I really think that the idea of it is clever and i respect the swing that that took and then it would be um techno god uh, it, would, it would be a gap actually there would yeah. be the gap I, line. I have gaps in this, <laughs> I think, the gap well. line then it would be techno god um just because i think that the the payoff in techno god is better than the payoff in god of death but both segments bored me greatly so God of Death would then be at the bottom. Well, that's VHS 85. Um, if you stay tuned through the month, you may hear another episode that sounds a little bit something like this, um, but a little bit special. In the meantime, we're going to go inside. We're going to be in there for a little bit. We're going to go watch The Exorcist Believer. You'll hear us talk about that. And then maybe a little something else before the end of the month. And oh, they made another one? We did go inside to warm up after recording that episode, and it made us speed up that ending a little bit, but just to be clear, all of our plugs are still the same, so Mitch doesn't have any. He went to go do something else. Liam, you can go listen to his band Guest Room Status on all your music streaming services. You can check out In the Weeds with Weezer, the Little Bitches podcast, and you can find him at Graham the Mallo on Letterboxd. I have MK Podquest in Strat 2. You can go to MortalCombatConquest.ca. All of it's there. We'll keep it nice and simple, and we'll talk to you in a week.